leaving It's remains when we need to talk bad about my boss Take a break from work today is no total loss Welcome, welcome, welcome to this sweltering August edition of the South Dakota Game Fish and Parks podcast and blast. I am your host as always, Chris Hall, communication specialist with Game Fish and Parks. Sitting in the shotgun seat is our uh, fairly regular uh, hero, I guess it is, uh, Nick Harrington. Nick, how's it going? I'm doing good. Folk hero status. That's folk what we're hero. Going we'll for. take that. We'll that's, take what, that. that's what we're going for, folk hero status. Right. And now we're we're bringing in. I said I said we we're gonna have her on more of these. And, right. And she's she's coming in as as a regular now. Commissioner Commission Chair Stephanie Rissler too. How Good you doing, to be Steph? here. Good. These are fun. Thanks for asking me back. Our first back to back repeat guest. Oh. And that's true. Right. And and a lot of it has to do with uh, Commissioner Rissler's idea a couple months ago. We're starting to break down some of the commission meeting stuff that we do uh, on 10 months out of the year, I guess. And and just having somebody, it might not always be Commissioner Rissler, it might not always be a commissioner, but, but kind of the idea of breaking down the commission meeting and in a little bite-sized pieces so folks can get that news in a different way or get that information in a different way. So it was a grand idea. Uh, commissioner, and and you get punished by having to sit in the hot seat again. <laughs> yeah, no, no. Uh, you guys do a great job, so thank you. Yeah. So yeah, a few weeks back we had a late meeting. It was the twentieth of of July. Uh, super hot down in Chamberlain, but it was just a one day meeting. Typically, our July meetings are a little light. Um, sometimes, depending upon the fish fishing proposals and stuff, which we have a few there. Um, but we had a one-day meeting, and we'll just start breaking it down, and Commissioner Rissler is going to, uh, like you said, be on the hot seat and just kind of go through some questions, and we'll we'll just have a talk. So I think the first thing is we'll, we'll just talk about something that's on front and center because it's a very front-facing thing, was our Go, go Outdoors update. Um, Commissioner mm-hmm. Rissler, are you still hearing folks with issues or problems, or what are you hearing? Because I'm starting to actually hear some positive stuff now, and after – after a, a launch of something this big, it's kind of good to see, like, feel like we're kind of turning the corner and getting people to where they need to be. Yeah, I think you're right. It, you know, it is hit and miss. And as you know, it was a, a big learning curve in the beginning. There were a lot of quirks that needed to be worked out. And I think the GFMP team, along with the vendor brands, uh, they're trying to catch those as they happen, fix them. Be transparent with our customers, with the public when problems do arise. But I think those concerns and those complaints are becoming fewer. We still get a few emails as commissioners when things pop up. I know that there was a server issue this um, uh, during the draw application process, and they got mm-hmm. it figured out, and they provided a solution. They even uh, wrote back to those individuals that were impacted to let them know what was going on. I think we're heading in a good direction, and I think the more uh, we handle some of these things that pop up, the smoother things will come. And, and, you know, I think to that point, too, when we look at the system and you look at the other states out there, we are the state that has hunting licenses, fishing licenses, park entrance licenses, all of this in one, in a one-stop shop e-commerce system. And, I mean... I, I think the fact that we are taking on such a huge project and such a such an endeavor, but also 
it is for it is for enhancing customer service. It is so you can do your camping reservation and and your fishing license and everything you need in one right. transaction. And and I think that speaks volumes. And I pick on Hole for how long he's been here, but <laughs> Hole when you Hole when you started, how did we conduct those draws? Was it truly a draw? Literally, literally we would go down to the Kenyon building. Uh, I started about the same time as Scott Simpson, who's now our deputy secretary. He was in charge of licensing. We'd literally go down there. He would buy pizzas and uh like cokes and sprites and stuff and at night we'd literally draw them out of a box and they were all different boxes because you had preference points and and it was i mean it was an all-night thing and then when we were done like the next day after work simpson would take everybody for beer because it was all hands on deck (laughs) and it was just kind of like the joke was okay you know like mountain goat or whatever hey i won it again (laughs) that's not your name you know i mean so we've come a long ways, but Nick, I mean, what what's you're the number guy. How many how many uh first draw applications do we have for deer? I mean, how many license applications do we have? It's it's grown uh, tremendously since the drawing out of a box days. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you're looking at 70,000 deer applications <laughs> coming in and I mean, I even look at the at the license sales reports and when you look at those applications we're seeing more of those coming in too for all seasons so i mean to me that is just folks are getting their applications submitted they know about the opportunity we have and and that's ultimately what we want to accomplish here right yeah no things are going smooth i'm happy like i said we get a few issues here and there but that's expected it's new right and and i think people you know i mean you know people don't like change that much and and even if something's for the better right away we're going to have hiccups. We're going to have, you know, not taking paperless app or not taking paper apps anymore. We're going to have people calling in. And that's what our, our our guys and gals on the front line handle that stuff. They're really good at it. They know where everything is. So, you know, I, I guess the message is we're, we're moving forward. It's getting better. But if you do have problems, gosh, give us a call. You know, stop by the Chamberlain office. Stop by whatever mm-hmm. office we have. And we're going to get you some help. Too. Absolutely. You know, to that point, just real briefly, uh, I was on trying to get some camping reservations in Custer State Park not that long ago. Uh, ran into some hiccups. Uh, and I will say it was more of an Internet issue. But nonetheless, I reached out to customer service. They had no idea uh, who it was, uh, where I was coming from. And they helped me immediately. It wasn't until after the fact we realized, um, you know, I kind of let them know who I was. and. Uh, they did an outstanding job, and that's what we want. We want all of those folks that do call in to be helped, and the team is doing that. So you are right on, Chris. Give them a call if you have an issue because they will help you. I'm, I'm glad you do that too, Commissioner Rissler, because I love going into runnings or Dakota Mart and just like pretending I don't know what's going on. Hey, yep. how, how are things going with this? And it's right. it's, it's going good. I mean, that's yeah. and I go, oh, I'm glad to hear that. Thanks. This is who I am. Right. And then uh, just going down, you know, uh, one of the new things we've added, I think even it's about as new as you are, Commissioner, is just kind of the new staff stuff. And Nick and I discuss a lot about we we get a lot of the new staff, especially we call them baby game wardens. They come in and we tell them what we can do and how we can help them. And, And one of the things that we really stress is, you know, if there's a commission meeting in your area and you're not swamped or something, Come by, sit down, listen, let us look at your faces. Let the commission look at your faces at a break. Tell them who you are and where you're from. And the new staff thing is kind of interesting because I think, you know, a couple of years ago, Nick and I, one of our biggest worries was, man, we're losing a lot of experienced game wardens or 
conservation officers, I'm always going to call them wardens. And, you know, always staff turnover is an issue too. But man, you know, with with kind of these introductions, we're starting to see these seats get filled and it, it's it's really cool on my part. I mean, for me anyway. So I would agree. Yeah. Uh, when I first started in 2021, the numbers of open positions were a little bit higher than I think anybody would have wanted. And now a couple years in, those positions are being filled and it's nice to see those folks and welcome them. When we were in Chamberlain, this last commissioner meeting, uh, I had your team sent out, send out a note to some folks in the Chamberlain area, some of the conservation officers and others. And I said, we're going to be having dinner. Please come join us. And they did. They showed up. We got to meet them and their family. Their kiddos were there and they talked about their passion and why they love working in the Chamberlain area. I think just as commissioners being able to visit with the team and the staff face to face, get to know them on a personal and a professional level. Um, it, it's a good thing. And having these introductions just adds to that as they are welcomed into the family. Absolutely. And they're young. Oh my God. <laughs> well, Hulk Hulk, Hulk called them baby game words all the time. And I go, hold on, they're all older than me. Yeah, yeah. Still. <laughs> still a little older than Nick. Yeah. <laughs> We're finally getting that they're starting to be, oh, you actually are younger than me. Oh, right. yeah, this isn't good for me. <laughs> and um, we always encourage like that new staff to sit and try to listen to the commission meetings. And if you can't, at least go, and this is for everybody out there too, at least go on our website, usually by Monday afternoon, we have the commission meeting, all the audio broke down by section. So if there's something that you do want to listen to, but you don't want to listen to the turkey and antelope second draw, I'm not interested in that. You can go through there, click on it, pick on it, and that way you know what's going on and, and you're informed. And I think it's just as important for our staff as it is for the public. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, a good a good place for the media to go to when they want to write those stories. Right, there's no, there's no room for error because everything is right there for you. Right, yeah. Ab- absolutely. Right, so let's let's get into probably the the thing that most people are sort of kind of wondering about this meeting. We've gotten plenty of uh, plenty of input, and I'm sure your phone is ringing and your email is dinging. Um, the petition process. Got a couple of petitions that came in, both about mountain lions. Mm-hmm. Um, you want to explain that petition process quick, Commissioner, and then we will go from there. You can just take it from there. Yeah, you know, the public, if they have an issue that they feel needs to be looked at, if they want some changes made to it, they can go onto the JFMP website. And there's a section there where you can fill out some information, and it's a petition. And that petition comes before the commission. Um, you can come to the commission meeting in person. You can do it online if you want to, but you state your case, what changes you want, what the recommendation is, uh, the benefit of it, all that goes in kind of that testimonial type thing. Um, And so we do those every commission meeting. We had two petitions that came in regarding mountain lions, and they did actually come in a little bit later than petitions normally come in. So as a commission and even a department, uh, we didn't have a lot of time to go through those and visit about what those could look like. But nonetheless, it was important that we lifted those up during the meeting and we gave those individuals the opportunity to share with us what they wanted to do with the mountain lion season. And so, and I will say this, and I know we might get to this in a few minutes. We also had a proposal um, regarding uh, the mountain lion season, which came from the from the department. So I know we'll kind of get into that in in a few minutes, but the petition 
once those come before us, you know, regardless what both of them look like, we have to take those petitions as they are. We can't make changes to them as they're being um, presented to us. We can't, you know, marry those together. We have to look at them as written and then decide as a commission whether we will, you know, move those petitions forward, which what that means is if we say, yes, let's continue these going, there's a, a public comment process. And so now the public can come on and they can visit with us about, you know, whether they like this idea or they don't. Um, if during that public comment process, um, the next commission meeting, we say, yep, let's keep it going. As is, no changes. We then go to finalization and the commission can decide whether or not this moves forward and um, is put in place for all of us in South Dakota. So the first one, um, this was, uh, and I'm going to make sure I get this right because I, wa I want to be fair to the individual that wrote this to us. What they said was they'd like to propose the use of dogs within the fire protection district of the Black Hills for residents with a harvest limit of 12 mountain lions. So that's six females and six males. And the reasoning is to better manage um, to better manage the cats and what they think um, is kind of hurting the mountain goats and bighorn sheep populations to have more opportunities for the houndsmen and women in South Dakota and to build a relationship with the GFMP um, and help with harvests. And so they came before us um, and shared the information that they had. And ultimately, what the the commission decided on this particular one is. Yes, let's move this forward. We've had a lot of um, petitions come before the commission for a handful of years regarding the use of hounds and mountain lion uh, in the Black Hills. And we felt it was time uh, to move it forward and have a deeper conversation with the houndsmen and women in our state and the public. And so that's where we went with this one. Um, so the second one. Um, this one was um, for a pursuit season using hounds in the Black Hills. Um, and, you know, rather than go into all the details, I think what the commission ultimately decided was it might be too confusing at this point to move both of those I items forward because we would have two different petitions regarding the use of hounds in the Black Hills. And so we decided to move the first one forward, what I was visiting about, but also talked about there might be some attempts to combine the language from both as we move forward. Uh, and so we'll have to figure out what that looks like. And, and so part of that, I mean, that's like I say, this is a this is a big process to to kind of unpack here. So we accepted that petition, the, the petition that would allow 12 cats, six males, six females. But that that doesn't mean that that's exactly what it's going to look like ultimately when it comes for finalization. We could come in and now that it is now officially the commission's proposal, we aren't tied to that language that we were when it was in the in the petition process. Um, and, and the other part that I, that you kind of brought up early on that I kind of want to show showcase our public comments. Those have to be submitted 72 hours prior to the meeting, not including the day of the meeting. But the petition process, those petitions just have to be heard within 30 days of being received by the commission, correct? 
Yes. Yep. You are correct. Yeah. So, so there, so, there are, yep, yep. There are some pretty strict guidelines to make sure everything is fall. You know, it all falls in place. All the I's are dotted and the T's are crossed. And, and, and that's just kind of one thing I want to build on that is just because we received this petition, I, I want to say it was even Wednesday before the meeting. It wasn't it wasn't going to be open for for public hearing anyways, because it wasn't a finalization. It could have been talked about in the open forum and we're going to have the entire time to submit public comments mm -hmm. through the September meeting. Any changes that might be made at that meeting or not made and then before finalization, too. So that's just something I wanted to because I know we kind of heard that. Well, why is the petition being heard when it wasn't even on the agenda until Wednesday? Yeah. But that's just that's just how the timing of these petitions fell and and how that differs a little bit from the public comment to the petition process. Yep. So then we will be in Watertown September 7th and 8th, and that will be the opportunity for the public to weigh in. They can certainly write in um, and we receive those um, comments as they come in. Uh, they can uh, chime in during the, the open forum or the public comment period. Uh, and they or they can show up in person. So this right. is their opportunity to share their thoughts on what they think the commission should do with this. Yep. And and just reminder for folks out there, if you're looking and you want to go in and learn a little bit more and you decide you want to comment, if you just go to our website, go to the search and put public comment, hit search, it'll come up, it'll pop up. It's a super easy form. Comment, put your name, I think uh, city, state comment and uh you're good to go yep and i i mean talk about that a little bit commissioner i'm sure you've gotten plenty of comments already i know i have and um just talking to folks around here but talk about like you know the official comments and and going through those and kind of weeding through those i i'm sure when this idea came up you were looking at your personal and work schedule going okay how much time do i have <laughs> <laughs> and how late am i gonna have to stay up every night to watch or to go through you know these? the funny thing is when i when i used to wear a different hat a journalism hat i right. remember these conversations in the legislature uh for a handful of years and the hours and hours of debate on the house and senate floor and so i knew once we opened up this box it what you just said would happen you know, I've had a few questions, um, nothing terrible, uh, just folks wanting to know, you know, can folks use hounds in the Black Hills right now for other types of animals, which they can, bobcats, they can. Uh, just folks really wanting some specifics. A few comments have come in about people that just don't want mountain lion hunting in general. Um, you know, all of those different um, thoughts that come from folks, they've come in, but so far they haven't been overwhelming. I think the closer we get to September, uh, and that September 7th and 8th day, they will start to trickle in a lot faster. As I've learned through my last couple of years on the commission, the closer you get to a uh, vote day, the more messages and comments, uh, begin to come in. Yeah. All right. So we got through that and uh, and then right after that, we had our, you know, the department mountain line proposal. We were basically kind of like you said earlier, moving that down the road so we can incorporate anything. If it, if there's any changes with the hounds, we can incorporate that stuff in. Right. Essentially. Yep, you, you are correct. Yeah. And this really was just looking at um, the hunting season for mountain lion for the 2023, 24 and the 24, 25 year and so as a commission, 
what we needed to do was move that forward as is, no changes, with the understanding it will probably need to be amended depending on what we do with these two petitions. And so that's where the department, you know, Director Kirschman and some of the folks there within the Wildlife Division, they'll put their hats on and, and work together and figure out how we should move forward as well as work with the stakeholders to see what they have to say. Mm -hmm. It's going to be interesting. I think I it will too. Yeah. It, it, and and a lot of times, you know, I, I think 17, 18 years with the department, I've missed maybe four commission meetings. And I usually have a fairly good feeling on some of these and what direction it's going to go. But this one, I people ask me, and I just no clue, no clue. It'll be interesting. There's a lot of hay to be uh, put up in the barn before we get to that point, so. I think no matter what side folks fall on, they will bring passion to the conversation. Mm -hmm. I mm -hmm. I guarantee that, yes. And and to, to that point too, I mean, I, I visited with another individual yesterday just talking about communications on conservation as a whole. And I said, you know, the, the thing that I like the most with my job is that no matter what side, people care. And right. as long as people care, I'm, we're doing a good job. Right. We're, we've got a good thing going, you know. Right. I'll worry more when people stop caring. Yeah. And that's, you know, I think this is one of those really good examples that yeah. it kind of reaffirms me. All right. People care. We're still right. doing a good job. Right. <laughs> yeah. You know, yep. Secretary Bonk used to say that all the time. He's like, they can come in mad. They can come in happy. The one thing it is, they care. And when they stop caring, then we're in trouble. We're yep. all out of jobs. So. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Very true. So then we go in, we got through the mountain lion stuff, and uh, you do a good job of letting us take breaks too, by the way. I appreciate that. Yes, <laughs> the best. The best. <laughs> You're always aware when we don't have something going quite right with the audio or visual too, so we appreciate that, but we digress. Uh, we went into some fisheries stuff, some proposals. First couple, one was just a bait one, just kind of clarifying some terms. Another one was to allow folks to literally uh, take carp and rough fish uh, with dip nets. Um, mm -hmm. That's kind of come up a few times before. And I think I think between the staff and the commission just kind of went, OK, maybe it's time we can. There's an opportunity there. Uh, you know, honestly, you know, I, I think it legalizes going down the going down the Jim River or the Vermilion River or down in your neck of the woods. And if a Asian carp is jumping, you can catch it with a net and take it home. Where yeah, before you yeah. couldn't do that. So kind of interesting stuff, but the one that's really cool to me and it really sticks out and could probably fly under the radar a little bit is the the uh, lake sturgeon thing up in Big Stone Lake. Mm -hmm. um, I grew up on Travers and Big Stone. We had a cabin. I fished that a thousand times, um, spent a ton of time up in that country. And uh, I think six years ago, started putting lake sturgeon in uh, Big Stone Lake and Travers, I believe in conjunction with Minnesota, and now they're getting big. Uh, I've seen some pictures, they're four feet long, some of them. So mm -hmm. there's an opportunity there to uh, have a catch and release season on Big Stone Lake, so that's pretty cool. Well, and it was interesting when they when they brought this one up, uh, just the biology of the fish and how, um, how long they live. I mean, these are prehistoric fish, and I think one of the biologists that spoke mentioned an age of, it, in the 70s, I believe it was 71 yep. years old. And so just to understand some of that, I think um, it's fascinating. It's important. We, I, you know, we have these fish here in South Dakota. I think this could be a, a fun opportunity for anglers 
especially for those up in your uh, old stomping grounds mm-hmm. up there, Big Stone Lake. Um, I know we've got them down in the Missouri River. I've seen them a handful of times. Um, so, yeah, you know, it's just a, one of those things that the GFMP looked at and said, all right, let's try this and, and see see where it goes. And, and to your point, too, Commissioner Rissler, I think it also kind of speaks of the the variety of activities and recreational opportunities we have to offer. Because this winter, we were talking about yellow perch, and we were talking about how these perch, if they're four years old, they're they're in a they're in a retirement home right. based on where they are. And now we're talking about seventy year old sturgeon. Right. I mean, we we cover the gamut. You look at our paddlefish, and I mean that's another right. awesome prehistoric. You're literally catching dinosaurs. So I mean. And they, it, they get huge. So I'm going to digress just a minute. Years ago, I don't know if you remember Mutual of Omaha, the old sure. TV show. Um, I was invited to come on at the time and do a live Mutual of Omaha with Peter Gross. And they and it was on um, it was on uh, the, the sturgeon, the lake sturgeon. And so we went down to Yankton. We jumped in this big tub and they had us flip the sturgeon over on their back because they were just like dogs and we just rubbed yeah. their bellies and their it was like they just fell asleep they were right. just like giant dogs right. and it was it was fascinating so there's my yeah, that, I digress. Uh, yeah like pal like pallid sturgeon or shovel nose sturgeon i think they do a big pallid sturgeon program which is super rare yep um but yeah super cool and the other thing about like lake sturgeon is they're kind of a a, a canary in the coal mine situation too because they need really clean water, right? And and there's a lot of times back when I was a kid where some of our lakes up in that country, granted, we didn't have as much water. But those lakes would have never supported anything like that, any of the lakes, because they were pretty green and pretty, you know, high phosphorus and and uh, other stuff. And, and just to see these things have success. And I, I had a buddy send me a picture this winter. He caught one through the ice. And he's like, did you know these are here? And I said, yes, put it back immediately. <laughs> Well, good for him and good for you. Right. I was going to ask who has more sturgeon caught in between this group right here because I have zero. I mean, oh, I I caught two on a crappie rig down below pier one time with a little kid, and they were both they were both shovel nose. And then we caught a pallid one time down by Farm Island on the outside of Farm Island, and had to let it go. And I just started working with the department, and I called up to the fisheries folks, and they came down and set a net, and they caught that fish. Wow. Oh, super wow. rare. Pallets are super rare. So cool fish to have. And let's talk about another cool fish. We also talked about the paddlefish season, snagging season uh, down Lake Francis Case. Uh, being a river girl, if you ever get to chat, have you ever gone snagging down in your neck of the woods down there? We we have. And I actually, I love paddlefish. We usually um, boil it, dip it in butter like crab. Well, yeah. And it is mm-hmm. so good. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah, we're going to increase the tags from 350 to 500. Um, like you said, these are another big, beautiful fish. But what some of the, you know, what was shared with us in terms of what are we catching now? Will this be an impact um, to the numbers? And it really it really will not. Since around 2012, the harvest range has been between about 116 to 251. So that average is about 186 fish 53 percent harvest success so you know adding those additional tags on at this point we don't think will impact um, the biology of those fish and it's just another opportunity to get out there and have fun and you know and take part in some of this fishing 
and an opportunity that folks are eager to have. Oh, I mean, man. I'm one of them, and I'm <laughs> still too. I'm still trying to draw that Lake Francis case tag. So basically, what this is 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 just additional opportunity out there to to go enjoy this really really unique fishery that we that yeah. we are fortunate to have in, in Lake Francis case. Yeah. I've had it three times, three times in the first five years, and I haven't drawn since. <laughs> the odds are. Odds are maybe I'll get one in the next couple of years, but that's that's just another one of those amazing unreal opportunities. Um, you know, down there you get so there there are a really high number of fish, and and you know you don't have to take them if you don't want to. And in the last year I had them, I I think I snagged like sixteen fish that season and never took one because I just, by the time I was done, I was just like this is so much fun. Ah, I'm good. I don't need paddlefish yeah. this year. You know. And yeah. So that's a cool opportunity and look forward to look forward to uh seeing where that goes and, and that season um I, i'd encourage people to apply but i want to get my tagged and i just have to say too my first job with the department was as a fishery seasonal in chamberlain and i am fortunate to get to say i literally was able to wrestle these fish I because oh. that is that is how we that's how we capture them we have giant floating gill nets and it's truly like watching a bobber when the when, right. when they start going down, you go, and then it's literally a wrestling match. Right. And I, uh, it's it was a lot of fun, but you sleep really good after yeah. after those I nights. I bet so. Yeah. They get big. They I get really big. Wrestlers, right there. I think we should sign her up and get her in her boat with Sorensen. And it's, it's it is really cool. It's fun and one of those kind of kind of victories for conservation and and sportsmen and women, but just everybody who likes wild things in wild yep. places, you know. Yep. Oh, and the history. Yeah. I would welcome that opportunity. So that'd be wonderful. Absolutely. Yeah, you'd love it. Yeah, yep. you have you have to do it once. I yep. mean, you, you have to do it once. Right. And then so uh, know, from there. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. I, I, well, I was just going to lead us. We also talked about spearing, allowing for rainbow trout to be harvested by legal spearing methods from our reservoirs within the boundaries of the Black Hills Fish Management Area. So we did say, yep, let's go ahead. So anyway, all of these things that we've just talked about, um, we put it into to one package and we said, yep, let's move these forward. And so all of these that fell within the fisheries this last mission meeting, we moved forward as is. Yep. And the, the spearing one, that is trout just in reservoirs. It's not in creeks or, or streams or anything. And, and uh, just another way for some opportunity. Folks were kind of talking about it. And, and uh, that's a put and take fishery. I mean, those those fish are all coming straight from our hatcheries right to uh, right to the reservoirs. And we want the anglers and folks to have as many chances at them as we can. Yep. Get Absolutely. out and enjoy them. Get out and enjoy them. That's what, that's what we do. So so that kind of leads us in the next one, uh, away from things that swim and more to things that can kind of walk around on, on land. Turkey and antelope draw, we had that second reading. And I mean, really, this is just an additional, we still got this on the agenda. We've, we're accepting public comments and, and kind of proceeded as is. Correct, Commissioner Whistler? That is correct. And I would say, Nick, this is one of the issues where I did hear from uh, a few folks uh, on the change for the turkey draw and just so folks understand we're only making a change to the third draw um, originally the way it is now resident and non-resident license are pooled and folks can apply for up to five license four if they already received one successfully and what the proposed change is those resident and non-resident license will be pooled and you can apply with four, you, you get one application so we're we're limited limiting it from five 
to one. And the reasoning is we want to give more opportunity during that third draw for folks to get those turkey license. And as a commission, uh, we made no changes from the first time that it was brought to us to the second reading, which we just got done hearing. And so now finalization will happen uh, at our September commission meeting in Watertown. And there still is opportunity for public comment. They can write in and let us know and communicate with us. And, and I mean, based on that too, Commissioner Whistler, I mean, like you said, nothing changed with the first draw or the second draw. And even the fourth draw, when these licenses are unlimited and, and first come, first serve, I mean, there's still no changes there. I mean, they no. would not, it would not prohibit anyone from getting that number of licenses that they that going from one app to four apps and they would still have that opportunity once we get through the fourth draw. Yep, you are correct. You are correct. So, yep, it is moving forward as is and we'll see what happens September 7th and 8th. Cool. And then we from there we kind of got away from really the proposals went into some more like action items, information items and stuff. And I think that the headline of that one or the you know, at least one of the ones that that I wasn't really tracking all that much was the Custer State Park Airport. Yeah, I wonder if folks even know that there is a airport in Custer yeah, State I, Park. I did. I did I, not know. Commissioner. I have no. land, I have <laughs> land, I have landed at that airport, and it's about as scared as I've ever been in a little plane. And I've flown with trappers. So, oh, um, you know then. Uh, no, Jeff Van Meter and our Park and Recreation Division Director brought some information about this particular airport. It's 73 years old. Um, it last had routine maintenance in 2016. Uh, the DOT aeronautics staff, they've taken a look at it, and they said it needs about $225,000 in immediate repairs. But over the next seven to 10 years, it's recommended that it be rebuilt at a cost of about uh, $2 million. Um, here's, here's some of the other information on that. There is no federal funding that can be used for it. So all of those repairs will have to be used with state dollars. Uh, it gets between 50 to 75 recreational pilots that use it each year. Uh, it's not used by staff, um, for park or wildlife fire purposes. So there's the explanation. When the commission looked at this, really, I think the unanimous, uh, consensus was, why are we keeping this operating? This is a lot of money for an airport that gets little use that's going to cost a lot of money when it really could be used toward other things. And we know um, the cost to kind of decommission it, get rid of it, just under $160,000. And I think that's the direction we are moving towards as a commission that perhaps that airport has seen its lifespan and it's time to use those dollars in other ways. Mm -hmm. and, and But still, this is one of those things that there is public comment opportunity out there. I mean, I believe we have 60 days worth of public comment that we're going to receive on this as part of DOT's commission process. Is that correct? That is correct. Yep. So, we, yep, we can steer, still hear from some of the folks. As of right now, I have not heard from anyone. You know, I don't know, Chris, maybe that's one of those items that, you know, it's kind of flying under the radar because people don't know it's out there unless you're a right. pilot and you've used it. Uh, but I know you guys and your team and through the minutes, folks will become more aware of it. I, I am certainly one of those individuals became, that became from zero aware to now aware. So, <laughs> but we also don't think we want me flying planes anytime no. soon. I'm going to stick with, I'm going to stick with trucks and boats, please. Yeah, same, same. <laughs> 
<laughs> and then we, we just briefly, we, you know, we hit on some parts priorities and kind of some of that stuff that's going on in the hills or, you know, in the Black Hills on the trails in this, the, in this case, but also talked about just take some time to make people aware and certainly the commission aware of stuff that's going on and mm-hmm. stuff that's going on in the parks and just because you know kids are getting getting ready to go back to school and everybody's trying to squeeze in a vacation stuff there's a lot of stuff around home that's going on and and you know you probably should be taking advantage of it you are right and this is the communications team you guys know <laughs> <laughs> the list on this there is a lot and i'm not going to go through all of them but when we are at the commission meetings, uh, we often hear from, you know, somebody on the team, the events team, that, that gives us the rundown as to what's going on. And you were right. There is something almost every single week across the entire state. Uh, some of it's geared around some of the seasons and the holidays. And I'd encourage folks to just get on the website, check stuff out. If you're looking for something to do, um, I know Fort Sisseton has a lot of stuff coming up in August. Yep. Uh, there's some stuff down in um, kind of the, oh, let's see, it was the Adams Homestead and Nature Preserve. They've got a few things that are going on. Um, there's a track trails day at participating state parks. That's August 19th, and that's a national event. And so we're going to see some stuff all over South Dakota and some of our parks there. Uh, you know, and if anybody's wanting to know, well, where can I go? What's going on? It's gfp.sc.gov slash events right uh, i i pay attention to it and if i'm able you know i check stuff out and, and participate when i can and and i would be remiss to say do not miss miss national s'mores day though no. i would i would like to say i hope that a lot of our user base would say that national s'mores day is every friday saturday right. and probably sunday mornings right. in our state parks state all summer parks. long right. so i you just know, want to throw that out there <laughs> the one that i was going to miss and you guys can correct me if my pronunciation pronunciation is incorrect on august 12th there's going to be a meteor shower hike and stargazing at Palisades State Park. I've been out in South Dakota during this meteor shower. Perseid, I think is how you yeah, say it, but I'm not sure. I, that's what I'm guessing, too. <laughs> it happens every year. And if you get the opportunity to be at a state park when this is happening, it is phenomenal. There are meteors that are flying about every 15 to 30 minutes. It's it's pretty cool to check out. So. Yeah, that the Palisades one is pretty cool too because there's you'll get a lot of knowledge dropped on you. On oh yeah, and it's, and it's you bet. know close, close to Sioux Falls and one of the prettiest places in the state. So yep, cool yeah. stuff. Yeah. And then you know we talk talk a little bit about this opportunity that folks don't really know that's out there either is the modern lodging and that we have in some of the campsite or campgrounds. And I think that's one of our big pushes because. If you ask my wife to go camping, she's going to look at you and go, no, you go by yourself. Uh, while I love to camp and, and we take advantage of it when we can. But for those things, you know, even if it's a small reunion or or maybe kind of just I want to be out there, but I don't have a camper and I'm certainly not going to go in a tent. The modern lodging options that we have in some of our parks scattered around, we talked about those at the meeting. And it's pretty cool. It's just another way to reach out maybe a new audience or a different audience. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, one of the things that was shared with us is kind of the three park marketing priorities. Those mo- That modern lodging, exactly what you're talking about. These are cabins in, within our state parks. It's 
it's like somebody that had a weekend getaway that is absolutely beautiful. Right. Um, fall camping. I'm heading to Custer State Park in September. Nice. You know, how do we get people to realize our parks are open? They're beautiful. The weather's still great during the day. It gets cool up, cool enough at night for those fires, for those s'mores right. that Nick likes and <laughs> day use. So I, you know, I think we'll start to see a push just reminding folks these are still open. These are out there. Take advantage of the opportunity while you can. And, you know, a lot of our uh, amenities like the modern cabins, they're changing. They're evolving. They aren't the cabins of yesterday. And so I think as the marketing team, you guys are looking at, well, how now can we change the way we market these? Um, and so I'm excited to see some of the work that you guys are doing to lift these up for folks. All right. And I can give probably the best customer review of our modern of our modern oh, yeah. it's it's one. because after uh, in 2021 after the apartment I was living in uh, literally burnt to the ground that was where I lived that was where I lived and I stayed out there through the coldest stretch of February by the way right. it was 40 degrees on the day of the fire that was fine but it was that mid February that we were negative 20 and I was out at Oahe downstream staying in, in that modern lodge out there I think. I spent it was basically from the last week of January until I closed on my house March 5th so I mean I I was out there that time and it worked it, it, it was awesome to, to be able to out there and have that opportunity but I mean believe me if I can do it and I'm right I'm more high maintenance than old wife I promise <laughs> oh, that she's gonna kill you <laughs> <laughs> I, I believe that I believe that everyone could get out there and enjoy. And I mean, I'm the perfect target audience right. for this because I have my truck, I have my boat. I love to go fish around the state. I'm not one that's going to be in a. I'm not one that's going to be in a tent. I don't have a camper, but being able to back right. in right next to the water, be there, be hooked up. I mean, that is, there's no, there's nothing better than that. Yep. There's your testimonial right there. there you, go. you got I, it. I, I watched the Daytona 500 from <laughs> from the modern cabin yep. at Hawaii downstream, and it was perfect. Yep. It was like negative 20. <laughs> oh man. You know, and then. Kind of to end up the meeting, we, we did the camping visitation revenue reports and the license sale reports. I mean, I think those are something that we as a department always look at, you know, sometimes on a daily basis and, you know, certainly a weekly basis. And and it's always interesting to kind of share that and, and even hear some of the questions from the commission going, oh, well, why is this down or, or why is that, you know, where does this come from? So I think, you know, I think from my perspective, we're in pretty good shape, but what, what did you see there? Anything that? No, you are correct. You know, the departments, they do a good job laying those numbers out. They give us a breakdown. Where were, where were we at this time last year? Mm -hmm. So if there are any red flags, they pop up during those times. Things look good. Uh, when COVID hit, we really started to see numbers increase. People were trying to, you know, get out of their house and get out into the you know, the outdoors and those numbers are still good. We wondered if we would start to see them decrease rapidly. And I would say that's not the case. People um, have discovered the outdoors and they continue to enjoy them. And the, the department keeps us up to date on what those what those look like, whether it's camping, fishing, um, our hunting license, all of that is presented to us. So, like I said, if there are any re red flags, we can address those right away. And, and, you know, it stands out to me, too. I mean, it, we're a user pay public benefit system. So, I mean, those license dollars are, are what pays for everything that people get out and enjoy. But 
I also view it as a folks know about these opportunities too. I mean, when we see fishing licenses high, that means we know folks are getting out and enjoying and enjoying fishing across the state. If if we see those license sales down, I mean, it could be they might not know that we just stocked a whole bunch of rainbow trout. Right. They have this opportunity. They might not know that the walleye bite's been really, really good and was basically all of all of June everywhere all the time. Yeah. I mean, yeah. so I mean, to me, it it just re- reiterates to me that folks are are taking advantage of these opportunities. Yeah. yeah. No. No, you're right. And, well, and one other thing we've noticed too, if numbers are low, maybe it has something to do with the weather. In May, yep. it was crappy. Folks didn't want to be out yeah. camping. And so we take all of that into consideration and we ask, well, you know, what was going on here? Well, it was, you know, only five degrees for the whole month of May or whatever yeah, the case might right. be. Yeah. Modern cabins That's are still right. good yeah. for yeah. that, yeah. though. I'll <laughs> tell you, modern cabins, if it's five degrees, modern cabins. Yeah. <laughs> A little stretch, but you know what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> So that kind of leads us into the next one. So this this depredation pool hunt, this is another one that, I mean, I'll personally say I wasn't really aware of, of kind of what this was until I really started working for the department. I mean, can you kind of tell us what, what these are and, and what sort of action the commission took for these? So this is a resolution that is adopted by the commission. And the way I understand it, it happens every three years. And so we just adopted this last uh, resolution, which will be, um, for 2024, 25, and 26. Um, and this authorizes our secretary of the Game Fish and Parks, um, right now Secretary Kevin Roebling, um, to be able to give, I guess, no more than 600 permits plus an additional, additional 200 landowner operated permits for depredation issues. It could be deer, antelope, turkey, um, and elk. And it really is up to the secretary to determine the sex, where they go to help with some of these problems that are happening with our big game across the state. And so um, this was up for consideration again. And the commission looked at it, looked at how it was laid out and approved it to go forward for the next three years. And, and I think one thing on these two that I mean, these are the absolute last resort that, when it comes to when it comes to depredation services. I mean, we have what, 28, 29 wildlife damage specialists out there. And I mean, they had a heck of a year well, last yeah, year. They're still tired from the winter. I, I, yeah. And yeah. I mean, even with as crazy a winter as we had, I mean, this wasn't a tool that was that was coming out of the toolbox. And yeah, and it, folks, if you if you can think about it, in the winter, big tall, you know, bad snow. Uh, producers have like hay yards, and think of three, four, five hundred deer standing on these haystacks eating yep. that farmer's cows or that rancher farmer's cows hay, and it's a way to kind of put some pressure on those deer, move them along. But it is a last resort. We have, you know, programs that we loan stockyard panels and and all there's all kinds of other stuff but this is just one of those necessary things that we have to do and and i've been on a couple of these depredation hunts and and or the pool hunts and and uh you know shoot five or six deer and the landowner comes up and gives you a big old handshake and thank you very much mm-hmm. and man this has got to you know and after a while a couple of days of pressure and those those deer will move on and they'll go find something else so yeah, and I don't know if I mentioned um, they do give 100 elk depredation yep. permits That's as right. well. So, yep. Yep. good catch. I think one of the uh, first commission meetings I was at, there was a gentleman from Spearfish who talked about some of um, 
some some of the destruction that the elk were causing to his land. And so it's happening out there. We might not hear it, you know, on the eastern side of the state or where maybe we don't have some of these, but it is happening. And it's a great tool that the department has to help some of these landowners. And it's just one of those things, too, that it's just all of us that enjoy South Dakota's natural resources, whether we're hunters, whether we're anglers, whether we're landowners. I mean, this is just all of us working together and making sure that we're doing what's best for all of us involved at at, at all times. And I think that's a great example of this. Yeah, good. So that kind of leads us in the next one. We talked a little bit about elk, but this is in a a, a much more fun, interesting one. Right. Um, this elk license raffle. Can you tell me a little bit about this, kind of where this went and, and what this does? So uh, each year the department has an elk license and um, the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation has uh, been the recipient of this license and they use it uh, to raise money. I'm going to. They use it to raise money and those funds go to help Habitat. And so we did hear from the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation. He joined us for a little bit. Let us know just over $50,000 has been raised with this one elk tag that they auction off. And like I said, it all goes back towards South Dakota Habitat. And so it's been a great project. Um, We approved it again this year for that tag to go back to the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation. But one of the things that was discussed by by the department is what more can we do for other organizations that are also helping with habitat? And we encouraged the department to consider some other options and opportunities. And so that's where we're at. We'll move forward with this tag, but figure out what more can be be done. And so I'm sure we'll continue to hear what that looks like through some of these upcoming commission meetings. And, and just another great example of a whole bunch of people from different organizations right. and different walks of life working together towards the same goal. I mean, I think that's the I think that's the biggest takeaway to me yeah. is that we all care about habitat. We all care about wildlife. Critters. We're looking for anything we can do to enhance it and on all fronts and working together on it. I, I got to go out on an elk project uh, when we collared a bunch of elk and some of these funds were used with some of the knowledge from Rocky Mountain Elk kind of in a partnership and we used some of their folks and some of our folks and we were uh you know literally tranquilizing elk and and tackling them and putting collars on them and putting gps collars on them and really allowed to get some of this really high-end equipment so those dollars do get stretched and and it's those kind of partnerships that that really make things work and and it's everybody working towards the same goals right i think that's the key word partnership i mean our state GFMP have a lot to manage on a statewide level, and a lot of it is to, is done successfully because of the partners um, that have been cultivated through the years. So I think uh, that's a great point. Yeah. So now I'm going to take us back to the water really fast to kind of wrap it up. Aquatic <laughs> invasive species. I think this is something we're all very familiar talking about. And, uh, you know, just kind of We're still working to enhance our efforts to slow the spread of aquatic invasive species, particularly zebra mussels. And I mean, Ho and I live this pretty much every single day. So I defer to you, Commissioner Rissler, on on these updates. Uh, What do you have to say about AIS? I think it's going in a good direction. At the end of last year, or I should say at the end of last boating season, um, there was a lot of concerns about where we were going to go, what those numbers were going to look like. Um, now, you know, we're into the boating season and the team there have done a phenomenal job 
They're doing more checks. They're giving more warnings. They're continuing to educate people. Um, I know uh, even, um, I guess, in addition to warnings, some, um, I guess, what would you call it? Some tickets have been written. Citations. Citations for folks that uh, maybe just need a little bit harder lesson learned there. Uh, We have seen some, um, some of the zebra mussels, but I think, the spread is slow and we have done a great job. When you look at where we are today versus last year, uh, the improvement is is very well done. And the other thing is, I know the team worked very hard to get volunteers. A lot of those folks that have um, kind of their own lake associations, they've stepped up to help and check boats as they're mm-hmm. coming in and out and they're helping to educate people. And that just takes us back to that partnership. Um, we're all in this together and um, you got to want it. And they wanted it. They wanted right. that slow to happen. Right. And so we're making progress. Oh, absolutely. And I mean, to your point, too, not even just from last year, but I mean, when you look at zebra mussels as a whole in South Dakota and uh, I'm looking at whole here, I mean, this it was 2014 that they were discovered, discovered yeah. Lewis and Clark. And I mean, it's not. This has been an issue that we've seen coming across across the country, across the region. I mean, Jake did a really in-depth presentation at your last December meeting, kind of about that timeline. But, I mean, I feel really good that as a state, we've been doing a really good job slowing the spread. And I think the number of infested water bodies that we have speaks to that. And And when I say number, I mean the low number of them. Yeah, I agree. You know, and there are other aquatic invasive species. I think the zebra mussels gets a lot of attention. But there are, is also research and other things going on from some, for some of the other things that are out there. And so uh, it's, a, it's a much bigger picture, and, and Jake and his team do a great job. Absolutely. So that kind of brings us to the end of the, end of the agenda. I mean, as we sit here, start, starting the month of August, I mean, what do, you, what do you have to say here for folks, whether it's the upcoming September meet, meeting, whether it's coming into the fall season, because we're off, we're off in August. So when we meet again, we're going to be we're going to be after what I call that September one date of hunting seasons are going to be upon us and and fall's going to be here. Labor Day is going to be over. What do you what do you have to say to folks before we before we reconvene in September? Well, I know as we look at hunting season, that's like Christmas in my house. Everybody's <laughs> getting ready. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I hope everybody's getting out and they're enjoying our state parks and they're fishing and doing all of those things that we can do in the summer because we only have so many beautiful warm days in South Dakota. And so hopefully folks are getting out there and taking advantage of the opportunities that's theirs. I mean, your tax dollars goes to make these amenities possible. So hopefully they are. As we get to our August meeting, just remind folks that these meetings happen live. Um, You can join us at them. You can listen to them through Zoom, Nick, uh, Chris, and through the help of uh, SDPB, Those are made possible live as they happen. And and as has already been mentioned, they're archived. So anything you want to know is right there. There's nothing edited out. Uh, It's right there for you to go back and listen to and understand and comprehend. And that's there for the public, for anybody who wants to go in and take a listen to it and better understand what's taking place within the department and the commission as they help the department kind of manage and make decisions with some of these things. So I'm looking forward to it. Fall is an exciting time for South Dakotans and and we're ready to see uh, how we can help move that forward. 
help lift things up so folks know what's going on, changes right. that happen, and hear from people. So, yeah. No, absolutely. And I mean, I think you make a great point, too. I mean, we have so many different ways to tune in and get this information. We have we have it live on Zoom, SDPB, obviously the open meeting. You can you can go and listen. Um, even sitting there and listening half the time, I still have to go back and listen. Yeah, to it again. I do that quite a bit, too. Um, but now even j this just this, I mean, I commend you for for doing this podcast with us and and going through another Nick and Hole show right. just to talk to folks and get even a different perspective and, and a different way to to share this information. It goes out in press release. It goes out in email. It's it's on social media. It's out there in a lot of ways. And I think this is just another awesome tool that we have for for getting the word out to folks on on everything we're doing at Game Fish and Parks and and the commission's doing as well. Yep, you are absolutely right. Lots of ways, lots of transparency. Um, you guys are doing a great job. Just keep it up. Uh, we're connected to the people, and they know how to get the information if they need it. It's it's all online. Yep, and uh, we'll be working hard to make sure that we've got good service and good connectivity in, in <laughs> Watertown and in Deadwood. That's uh, If I had any hair, it would be falling out because it's those are all just issues that we do, and we fight through them, and, and uh, we just want people to know that what's going on. So You know, one more note on that, Chris. Not all uh, commissions, boards, um, share the information like we do through the GFMP and the commission. Um, so this really is unique, and I applaud you guys for doing this because this really is an outstanding resource and tool for the people of our state. Thanks. And right back at the commission as well. Sure. I mean, this is this is as open as it gets. This is as it's. These are just. Again, it goes back to my final thought here is we all care about this a great deal. Right. And that's what that's what makes our job so fun. And that's what makes all of this go so smoothly. And I mean that hey, everybody at Game Fish and Parks, the commission and everybody that weighs in and gets engaged. I mean, that's that's the end. That's the end thing for me. Right. Everybody cares. And that's what's awesome. Yeah. Very good. Well, this has been fun, guys. I appreciate yes. it. Thank, Thank you. you, Commissioner Stephanie Rissler. And uh, we'll see you uh, wheels up, um, what, the 7th? Watertown? That's right, September 7th, Watertown. Ram Coda. All right. Commissioner Stephanie Ristler, thank you very much. Bye, we'll guys. Bye. See you next time.